What are your big dreams? Do you have any big dreams? What are your big dreams? Maybe it's, um, and, and maybe it's a dream you've never shared with anybody else. Yeah. Maybe it's to uh, learn a new language. Maybe you want to, to be fluent in the Espanol. Did I even say that right? <laughs> Close? No? All right. I'm not fluent in it. Uh, or German or Chinese or Japanese. Maybe your big dream is to speak a, a different or a new language. Maybe your big dream is to speak the English language. That's my big dream. Uh, maybe it's to learn an instrument. You know, play, play the guitar or play the bass. Maybe, maybe in the recesses of your heart, you've always wanted to pick the guitar like Eric Clapton or whoever, put in Willie Nelson or whoever. And maybe in the, in the recesses of your heart, you've always wanted to play the piano or a guitar or drums. And maybe that's your big dream. Maybe it's education. Maybe in, in your mind, you've thought about finishing a, a bachelor's degree or finish a master's degree or a doctorate degree, and, and, and that's your big dream. Maybe it's a new job, or, or maybe it's opening your own company or opening your own business, being your own boss. Who would like to be their own boss? Amen, yeah? Maybe it's more of a, a, a physical one. Maybe it's like hiking the Appalachian Trail, <laughs> something of that nature, or, or, or maybe it's becoming a member of the Thousand Pound Clubs. Anybody know what that is? That's, that's squatting, deadlifting, and, and bench pressing up to 1,000 pounds. Maybe, maybe that's your big dream. I think that's Bob, Pastor Bob's big dream. <laughs> what are your big dreams? And the truth is sometimes we don't share those big dreams because we're afraid if we were to speak them, people would think that we were silly or would make fun of that dream. Maybe it's to be debt-free or, or, or maybe it's to restore a relationship that's been broken for a long time. I think everybody has big dreams. I have big dreams. Some I share, some I don't. And I, one of the big dreams that I have, and you'll laugh, is to run the Boston Marathon. That's one of my big dreams. And, and, you know, it's, it's not, the Boston Marathon is not a marathon that you just sign up for and run. You've got to run a qualifying speed, and you've got to be Dave Icorn fast, okay? That's fast. If you haven't ever watched Dave run, he's like a gazelle. You've got to have Dave Icorn speed. And the only way I have Dave Icorn speed is if Dave Icorn is carrying me while he's running, okay? <laughs> but that's a big dream that I have. That, that's something that's out there that, that in my mind, I'd love to do. Now, when I talk about big dreams like that, you realize there's a difference between difficult and impossible, right? There is. There's a difference between difficult and impossible. And if I were to stand up before you and say, hey, my big dream is to bear a child and have a child, that is. But to say I want to run a marathon at a certain speed, that may be close to impossible, but it's not. It's just very, very difficult, right? Right? You guys are looking at me. Tell me I can't do it, please. You know, some people are motivated by encouragement. I'm motivated by discouragement. 
One roommate saying in college, he'll never make it through law school was all that I needed. <laughs> I, I worked with a couple guys. One guy's name was Elvis <laughs> and the other guy's name was Buck. <laughs> I know, <laughs> I worked with a country music group. I don't know. Uh, but, but Buck, I asked Buck one time how he learned to play the guitar. I mean, if you're named Buck, you have to play the guitar, I think. I think it's like the law. And Buck said, well, my dad threw the guitar in their bedroom and said, don't you touch it. <laughs> I'm a little bit like that. But, but I think we can achieve big dreams. There's big things we can do in your life. Kids, teenagers, you can do huge things in your life if you make a plan and you keep a plan. If you do something to, to, to begin moving towards that dream, and then when you, when you live that dream and you work that plan and you, and you plan to work and, and you're all in, God can do amazing things in our life. And so some of you, you have, you have big dreams that God, I believe sometimes God places them on our hearts, but it takes all in. We're beginning a, a new series, All In, and, and, and I said last week, and I'll say again this week, I believe this series and the next series may be the two most important series. Oh, I know they're the two most important series I've preached here, but maybe the most important series I've preached in my life because I believe the very life of our church is dependent on us being all in. I think that's true. Um, God is all in for us, will we be all in for him? And, and so I think the life of our church is at stake and, and where we're going to be 10 years from now and, and what our legacy is going to be. And, and so all in is beginning today and then we're going to go into the immerse. And, and the question is this, what could God do in our church if we were all in? Now, when I use that phrase, that phrase has two different meanings. The, the first meaning of that phrase is what if, I was as an individual. What if you were as an individual all in? That, that there was no reservations, that, that you were all in for God, you were all in for his church, and, and you were willing to give, go, do, serve whatever God called you to do. You know, God turns communities upside down when individuals become all in. He turns families upside down when individuals become all in. He turns neighborhoods upside down when people go all in. So it has that meaning, but it also has the meaning, what if we were all in this together? That it wasn't just pastor and board, it wasn't just 20%, but what could God do with a group of people this size if together we were all in? Somebody tell me real quick, how many were up in the upper room before Pentecost? 120. God turned the world upside down with 120 people who were sold out, all out for him. What could he do with us? You see, I'm just a big believer that, that, that if, if we were to go all in, God can do amazing things, things beyond our expectations, beyond our abilities, beyond what we even can begin to dream if we just allow him. Now, over the next three years, 
this is going to be our emphasis all in. Now, we're not going to preach this same series for three years and all God's people said, amen. But we're going to revisit it. We're going to talk about it. Um, and so as part of that, I thought, well, you know, maybe I need to put myself out there. Um, and so I, I'm going to commit to you. My goal, my personal goal is the Boston Marathon. For the next three years, I am all in, and I'm going to share with you where I am, what I'm doing on the dream. I have a plan in place. Uh, you know, I, I, I've got to um, lose weight. And uh, i got to tell you, one of the first questions I'm going to ask in heaven, well, that's not one of the first ones. It's down the list. But I think I'm going to ask God, why did Twinkies taste so good if they're so bad, right? <laughs> And all God's people said, <laughs> you know, I've got a plan in place. I, you know, in September, I'm going to run a 6K. Now, I've run, I've run a, half, a, a few, two halves. I've run a few 6K or 10Ks. I, I've run a full marathon, run using the word generously. <laughs> I ran the first half, then I had to go back and get my son, who the longest mileage he had trained for the marathon, Wyatt, was three miles uh, you know, three miles of 26, you know, it's easy to just do that stretch. And so I had to go back and carry him across the finish line. So, so I've done them, but never in the speed. And so I'm, I'm going to begin in, in September. I'm going to run the, um, the 10K at the U.S. Air Force Museum. Maybe some of you want to join me in, in doing some of these things. We're, we're going to make shirts that say all in, <laughs> you know, the church name. And, and, and you know, I'm going to run with those shirts. And, and so, I'll, you know, I'll be tracking on Facebook what I'm doing. I've got a plan in place. But, but maybe you have an all in. See, this, this isn't just about me, it's about you. Maybe there's something that God has laid on your heart and this three-year period would be just a, a time to go all in on something. Somebody grab your card. Wave it at me. What we're encouraging you to do today is to write on the card something you're all in about. <laughs> We, we want to share it. We want to put it on the back wall. We, we want to encourage you, or if you're like me, discourage you, so you'll be motivated to accomplish your goal. We, we want to know what you're all in on. Maybe it's to play an instrument. Maybe it's to speak a new language. Maybe it's educational. Maybe it's job-wise. But, but we, want to, we want to share with you and encourage, with, encourage you as you share what you're all in on. God has big dreams for you. If you believe that's true, say amen. I believe God has big dreams for his people. I believe God has big dreams for this church. I believe God's intention for this church and, and the mind of, of God as he, he considers this church and, and where we might be and what we might do, I believe it would blow our minds if we could see see ourselves how God sees us. God has big dreams for his people. Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13 says this, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. <laughs> These words from Jeremiah, who's known as the weeping prophet. I've been in the book of Jeremiah. Let me tell you, for the most part, Jeremiah is a downer to read, okay? Uh, but these are these words fill, full of hope written to the people of Israel in the midst of exile, in the midst of being deported. God says, you know, it may look dark, it may look bad, but I want you to know 
I have big plans for you. Plans to give you hope, to give you a future. But then read on, verse 13 of Jeremiah 29 says this, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. See the key? See, see, the key is not this halfway following of God, this, this partial following of God, this commitment of Sunday morning or a part of our life to God, that the key is this all-in pursuit of God. That when we pursue Him with our whole heart, things change. And we begin to live His dream for our life instead of our sometimes puny dreams. We live God's big dream when we're all in. Lives are changed when we're all in. Families are healed when we're all in. Communities are brought to Christ when we're all in. Can can I use a word that we we throw around sometimes and I, I don't know if we think about it much? Revival happens when we're all in. See, I'm convinced that revival is not based on a time in the calendar, but revival is based on people whose hearts are turned completely towards God. And so in times of revival, we only have revival to the extent that we're willing to have revival. And in times when we want God to speak, it's determined by how willing we are to turn to Him and submit all of our ways to Him. I want you to know this morning, this message is for the church, right? This is for you. This isn't for outsiders coming in. This is for the church. And I believe God is looking for us to be all in for him so that he can begin to revive us before we reach anyone else. Last month, we had revival with Chad Seabright. And I, we had a great time. I thought we had a great time in revival. And, and I thought he was, he was, it was a perfect revival for where God was taking us. And and Chad used this illustration of experiencing the ocean. You guys remember it? He said you can stand at the edge of the ocean and you can let the waves kind of lap over your feet and you can experience the ocean in a way. That, that is experiencing the ocean. But then there is diving all the way in, shoulder deep, where your feet don't, don't, don't touch the ground anymore and you're just in the ocean and the, and the waves are kind of pushing you here and there and that is experience in the ocean. I believe God's inviting us to that kind of experience with him. We're not just letting him lap around our feet and we're not just experiencing a part of God, but we're going in head deep and we're experiencing him in full. We're all in. So the question this morning is, are you all in? Honestly, are are you all in? Are you just kind of going through the motions? Romans 12, 1 through 2 says this, therefore I urge you brothers in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Other translations say your reasonable act of worship. 
Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so Paul's given us this invitation of the good, perfect, pleasing will of God. That, that there's, there's something out there that, that's greater than what the world can offer where we can live just fully in this good, pleasing, perfect will of God. It's not giving up life, but it's finding life. And, and the invitation to receive this is living sacrifices. Give your all. Be all in. Give it all to God. It's the only reasonable thing to do. God has given everything to you. And the only reasonable thing to do is to give God everything back. And when you give God everything back, then you begin to find yourself in this place of God's will that's perfect and pleasing and good, acceptable. The right way to live. Are you all in? Over the next three years, your, your church board and your leadership team has set some pretty big church goals. Uh, we believe that they're only scratching the surface of God's big dream for his church. I, I, I think if, if we were to go all in, God would do as the writer, as Paul writes, exceedingly abundantly more. <laughs> than any of these goals. So some might look at these goals and say, they're impossible, but, but I'm reminded of a scripture where God says, nothing will be impossible with me. And so if these puny goals are impossible, then we just need to say, well, we really don't believe the Bible anymore. See, see God is able to accomplish even more than any big goals we can set if we go all in. If we choose to live in his good and pleasing and perfect will, I believe we'll experience these goals and more as God has in mind for us. And as we think about all in, there's three words we're going to talk about over the next three weeks. Uh, the three ends, if you will. Uh, the, the words are invited, involved, and invested. And so we're going to begin this morning, that was just introduction, 20 minutes of introduction. So now I get into my 40-minute message, because um, you guys want to be all in, right? You've been invited. We're going to talk about the invitation very briefly today, seriously. I, I'll be done in just an hour or so. Um, Luke chapter 5, beginning in... Uh, verse 1, and we're going to look at two invitations today. And, and the first one is the invitation of, of Simon or, or, or Simon Peter. Uh, one day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, Gennesaret, I can't even say it, Gennesaret, help me, Bob, Gennesaret. Anybody ever get tongue-tied? See, this, this is why my goal is to learn to speak English. Um, with the people crying around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were, who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. 
Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let, the, let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to him, said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. <laughs> what do you see in this image? What do you see in this passage? There's so much ordinary in this passage. You know, Jesus isn't at the temple finding the greatest teachers. He, he didn't go to a university and, and find the people that could communicate the most effective way. He, he didn't go to, to, to other Pharisees. He didn't find other teachers. He goes to ordinary people, fishermen in the midst of work. And Jesus invites Peter from ordinary life to this extraordinary mission of God. No longer will you be catching fish, but I'm going to make you a fisher of men and women. I'm inviting you from this ordinary life that you've been living. I'm asking you to leave your nets behind and join me on something bigger and better and grander than you've ever imagined. And they pulled their boats on shore and they followed Jesus. Now, I, I, I'm convinced, and, and, and you can have a different opinion on this, but when you read the scriptures, there, there's so many connections. And as we talk about, when we get into the Immerse series, we'll talk about the web of relationships. I am convinced that this is not the first time that Jesus has talked to Simon Peter, but there has been multiple times he's heard him and seen him. And so this isn't just blind faith. This is faith because he's heard him, he's seen him, he believes him. See, I think we get all mixed up in our mind that, that we begin to think that, that God doesn't, calls us to do unreasonable things. But the truth is, some of you have been in relationship. You've known Jesus a long time. You've seen how he's cared for people. You've seen the teachings of Jesus. And now is the time just to lay things aside and begin to follow him all out. This is a dangerous thing to say because you may say, then why are we here? <laughs> I'm convinced that in the church, most people have, have received enough instruction from pastors and preachers and Sunday school teachers that, that they could do all that God calls them to do. And, and, and the problem is not instruction. The problem is doing what we've been instructed 
taking what we've been taught and putting it to action in our homes and in our neighborhoods. God still calls ordinary people to his extraordinary mission. I was at Kings Island last week, by the way. I I threatened that I was going to ride roller coasters, and I did. And I, I rode some roller coasters on Sunday afternoon. I rode roller coasters until, does anybody else in this congregation uh, get claustrophobic on roller coasters? Yeah, I, I do. I get, I get claustrophobic, and once I start getting claustrophobic, it was over. And so I wore, rode Banshee, and by the time I got off that, my heart was racing. I was about to have a panic attack because they were not getting me off the roller coaster fast enough. But across from Kings Island, there's a church called River Crossings Church. And the mission of this church, I'm not going to be able to remember it exactly, but it struck me because it said ordinary people. And I thought about our mission statement, ordinary people following Jesus. And their mission statement was something to the effect, ordinary people living extraordinary lives. (laughs) I like that. See, God doesn't leave us in the ordinary. And Peter could have remained a fisherman and no one would have ever known anything about him. But God calls him to this extraordinary mission. And I believe God is calling you to an extraordinary mission as well. He's calling you to the mission to change lives. He wants you. He needs you. You are invited to be part of God's extraordinary mission. One more invitation. We find this in the book of Matthew, beginning in chapter 9, verse 9. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. Well, once again, if you examine the, the webs of, of relationships, I, I believe that Jesus had multiple conversations with Matthew. Matthew knew exactly who Jesus was and what he stood for before he followed him, but he did. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? (laughs) On hearing this, hear this. Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. What do I do with that, Pastor? You know, how's that apply to me? How does that apply to, to my, rep, my, my invitation? Your invitation today is not based on your name. It's not based on your family. It's not based on your reputation. It's not based on your past. Your invitation today is based on your desire and my desire for something more. That that Matthew had this quality. Levi had this quality. The tax collectors and the sinners had this quality that they simply wanted more. So your invitation today is based on that. Do you want more? There's an old, I don't know how old it is, there's a Gaither course 
more of you, more of you, more of you. I've had all but what I need, just more of you. Of things I've had my fill, and yet I hunger still, empty and bare. Lord, hear my prayer for more of you. Is that your heart today? You know, the invitation and the desire for more, I believe, it's not the indication of a sinful heart, but a seeking heart. And the truth is, I believe believers who followed Jesus for a long time can still have this desire for more. And I believe not only can they have that desire for more, I believe that's the heart that he seeks. That, that when Jesus talks about us being new wineskins, the ideal of new wineskins is they're willing to expand, that they're, they're willing to take more, that God wants followers who want more of him. No matter what they experienced yesterday, no matter what they experienced 10 years ago, even now, even today, they want more of him. Do you want more? Last week, I, I, I said, join me. Can I expand that? I've talked to several people, and what I'm experiencing is there's several people in our congregation that are sensing the same thing. That, that this isn't about a pastor sensing that we need more, or we should want more, and the pastor wanting more. But there's many people in this congregation that we've had separate, separate conversations and they've indicated to me that God is speaking something into their life. That, that God is trying to do something new in their life. And I guess the invitation today is join us. God is moving in a new way in our congregation and I would invite you to begin to join us. Say, well, pastor, where do I start? How about prayer? I, I saw that Sue Timmons put a prayer list up on the bulletin board outside the office for you to begin to sign up and select times of prayer uh, for, for our church. And uh, I'd encourage you to go look at that. Sue's, Sue's big dream is this, is that for the next three years, for 24 hours, seven days, 24 hours, people will be praying for our church. Big dream, isn't it? And it'll only happen if we go all in, even for prayer. So the beginning is prayer. Maybe, maybe you're not sensing this. Maybe this isn't on your heart. Are you asking? Are you seeking? Are you praying? Every great move of God begins at the same place, prayer. And so the sign-up sheet's out there. I'd encourage you um, to take some time privately. If you don't want to just pick a slot, um, you know, pick, a, pick a place of prayer, but I encourage you to, to find some time to begin praying about this and asking God what your part might be. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 says this, and I'm reading this out of the message this morning. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? 
come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly.